0: AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix.
1: It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060
0: snap is back,
1: the hold is down, you can't miss with this combination, and the extra point is good.
2: Welcome in to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. It is Friday, it is December, yes, welcome to December, December 1st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today. Next week, I promise, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. But today is Friday, Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. We're looking for three wins in a row. We're sitting at nine and four. If you're not sure what it is that I'm talking about, uh, there's a $100 gift certificate on the line in today's program to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. And if you are today's winner, make sure you come with your weekend play, toss $5 on it, and we're looking for money money, uh, to go to charity at season's end and like i said we're looking for three in a row as we're currently sitting at nine and four overall so so far having a really good season with that the weekend specials for von hansen's meats and spirits we'll get to those here shortly but first let's set the scene with today's poll questions and we'll start with the kdos 1060.com poll question Uh, when it comes to what's going on between the steelers and the cardinals the cardinals will be in pittsburgh on sunday so who do you have ats and bob we're in a 50 50 split here between the cardinals plus five and a half and the steelers minus five and a half
1: okay so i'll just throw out some factual information and maybe that will break the tie Uh, the cardinals are zero and six straight up on the road they've covered two of their six road games the steelers are four and two at home straight up and against the spread
2: you know as you were talking about being Uh, oh and six on the road it caught my attention here that we have spent really no time talking about how challenging things have been for the cardinals on their east coast road trips and is it really uh just kind of been a mute point just because of where this team is at this season and maybe even for the last couple of seasons as i'm thinking about it we really haven't brought it up too much
1: Yeah. Also, I brought it up this year because they've gotten crushed on a couple of our West Coast road trips. (laughs) So they're just not good. And, uh, you know, they were very fortunate to cover the first game of the season against Washington. That was the other game that they covered. And then last week, two weeks ago, they covered the game in Houston, which the Cardinals actually should have won the game in the fourth quarter. But they had a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter because that's the game that CJ Stroud threw three interceptions within the thirty-yard inside the thirty-yard line of the Cardinals.
2: You know, now that I'm also thinking about my own question here, talking about the commanders for week number one, there was just so much else happening surrounding the team that like being on the East Coast was last thing on my mind. It was, you know, who's going to start? Joshua Dobbs has been here for for two weeks. Is he ready to go? So that was kind of more, I guess, pressing than what time zone they were playing in.
1: That's true, and also you want to flip the sides here. I mean, the commanders had a lot of stuff going on before that game too.
2: That's also true. So that's our KDUS1060.com poll question. Uh, Who do you have, ATS at Pittsburgh? Cardinals plus 5.5, Steelers minus 5.5. And and we will officially provide our answer today around 12.30, so still plenty of time for you to cast your vote. Tossing this on over to Twitter at KDUSAM1060, an NFC Championship rematch. Who wins Sunday at Philadelphia, the 49ers or the Eagles? Uh, The Eagles out in front, 53.8% of the vote. 49ers trailing at 46.2 percent.
1: San Francisco eight and zero this game this season in games in which Trent Williams and Debo Samuel have been healthy. They were both injured in the first game that they played, the first loss that they had against Cleveland and then not playing the next two weeks. Uh, the Eagles are 10 and one in the season, and that's the best start for any team coming off of a Super Bowl loss since the 1991 Buffalo Bills.
2: Wow. Uh, this should be a fun contest uh you know it's it's different because the Eagles have come off of two really uh, I would say physically demanding games in addition to yeah. two very mentally demanding g- contests also on uh, in an overtime situation in the week before on a short week whereas the 49ers are coming off of extended rest having played on Thanksgiving
1: that is correct uh, you know if, if anybody's uh, you know that I've kind of declared earlier in the week I'm on San Francisco in this game and those would be two of the biggest reasons why. And also by the way, you mentioned uh, the demanding schedule for the Eagles. Next week they play at Dallas.
2: Yeah, it doesn't get any easier for Philadelphia. Uh that is the Twitter poll question at KDUS AM ten sixty, which we'll answer here around twelve thirty. Brian Blewis of Pro Football Network. He is set to join us around 12-15 today for our NFL prop bet discussion. But it is Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits and our friends. They're located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. We're getting very close to holiday time, so you want to make your way over there and see what they can do for you this holiday season. Vonhansen'smeats.net as well. In particular to the weekend, though, the specials include certified Angus choice B New York strip steak at $4 a pound off prime pork back ribs at $6.99 a pound and the fresh natural whole fryers at $1.99 a pound. That is Von Hansen's meats.net. Speaking of those Cowboys, they were on display last night, Thursday night football hosting the Seattle Seahawks in week 13, got off to a, a high scoring affair with the Cowboys coming out on top 41 to 35 last night. DK Metcalf though, Let's start here with him on the Seahawks side of things. Uh, DK Metcalf had a game, six catches, 134 yards, three touchdowns. He was primarily chewing that up on Deron Bland, but Brand, Bland did have a critical interception with the Seahawks up 28-27 late in that third.
1: That's true. Yeah, Metcalf, I think it's safe to say, has been uh, you know, inconsistent or disappointing, whatever word you'd like to use. Uh for much of the season, I think that has a lot to do with, you know, the offensive line, and Geno Smith, as I've mentioned, is, uh, you know, while Geno was certainly good last night for the most of the game, but then the fourth quarter when the game was on the line, he made a couple of not good throws at all. Uh, but, you know, throw those things together – and. Yeah, but Metcalf is uh, been a, kind of a disappointment. I you know some fantasy owners are de- been definitely disappointed in him. Hopefully they didn't bench him this week <laughs> cuz they you know I'm sure they're going to if they used him last night, they're going to I can't imagine there's going to be a wide receiver in the games that are going to be played on Sunday or Monday are going to they're going to have more points in the fantasy world than Metcalf had last night.
2: Uh so for the Cowboys here, you know, did did this at all, this performance at all? answer any questions that we have because we, we went through it on Wednesday some of the numbers for Dak Prescott for this for this offense and how well they're going but then there was this little butt hang, hanging in the balance here based upon the defensive uh, opponents that they had been playing and really just being able to take advantage of those types of opponents here so now you have this Seahawks team in this primetime setting here and they also were doing it in a come from behind fashion you have uh, the Cowboys being down 35 to 30 after seattle went for it on fourth and one from the cowboys 46 they didn't get it Dak then orchestrates a seven play drive to get it into the end zone they go for two and get the two uh then at about midfield again Dak six plays for a 32 yard field goal which is how the score ends 41 to 35
1: yeah i'm gonna kind of answer your question both ways um you know i'll explain myself though First, I think it's good that Dallas was pushed because, you know, these home games, they've just been destroying their opponents. They had not even been behind for one second in a home game this season. Obviously, they were behind for a large majority of the game last night and had to make plays on both sides of the ball, eventually on defense to make a play here and there, and they did that. You mentioned the bland interception, the Lawrence tackle on that fourth and one play of Charbonnet uh, on the short yardage situation. So I think it's a good thing that they actually had to make some plays. I'm still not sure how good they are, but yeah, you know, we have this stretch where they're playing five consecutive games starting last night against teams that are at five hundred or better. So we're going I think we're gonna have certainly a, a really I think a solid idea, I would assume, of how good the Cowboys are by the time we actually get to the postseason.
2: Uh, Dak's numbers, 29 of 41, 299 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. He was sacked four times in the contest, but therefore – Uh, You know, they have obviously this game on Thursday before everyone else here in week 13 competes on Sunday. So a bit incomplete here. But when you do look at the NFC playoff picture, the Eagles are the one seed at 10 and one. The 49ers are the two seed at eight and three. We discussed how they're competing against one another on Sunday. The three seed is sitting with the Lions at eight and three. The four seed currently uh, is the Atlanta Falcons at five and six as they are currently leading the nfc south then you have the five seed cowboys at nine and three the six seed vikings at six and six and then the seven seed seahawks at six and six but something you had kind of pointed out here leading up to this that if the seahawks uh and they did go on to lose against the cowboys things could be looking up that they're not even sitting there uh second in the nfc west
1: yeah, the Rams win on Sunday. They're, you know, they're the number two team in uh, the West, and they're in the playoffs uh, as of uh, that day at least. A little more on Dak uh, you know, and the Cowboys. They've had at least three games now with 40-plus points, and Dak has at least – he has three games with at least 400 yards passing this year.
2: It is interesting. I saw an argument here that, you know, there's been this awakening to, wow, look how good Dak has been here uh, in in Mike McCarthy's offense. And he's certainly been rolling here. But I guess statistically, if you look at what he's doing, he's kind of been doing a lot of the similar things that he's been doing. If you go back to 2021,
1: I think that's uh, maybe that's true statistically. But uh, if anybody wants to quarrel or bicker or argue that, Dak, this is the best he's ever played. And I don't think there's any accident that Kellen Moore is not there anymore and Mike McCarthy is calling the plays. Uh,
2: And then I believe Dak will also be up for, uh, you know, an extension here, which would obviously, I think, help the Cowboys cap situation, et cetera. And when you just kind of look at the overall landscape of the quarterback situation and the way he's playing, that seems to make sense as a a no-brainer right now for the Cowboys and Dak.
1: Yeah, Uh, so much for the Trey Lance is going to succeed Dak in a year or two, crap, which I never believed in for one second.
2: One more bit of news, and we'll travel here locally. Yesterday, the Arizona Cardinals uh, granted the release of tight end Zach Ertz, who uh, J.J. Watt is the one who broke the news on social media yesterday, uh, saying that he plans to sign with a contender. He does have to go through waivers here. At least as of this morning, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network had mentioned a few teams to monitor uh, the Eagles. That would be a reunion. Question marks, obviously, Dallas Goddard. There had been talk about May be him coming back this week potentially the following week against the Cowboys with his forearm elbow uh, arm situation Uh, then their other backup tight end also dealing with an injury but they do have some depth there already Uh, there was also potential mentioning of the Ravens as they lost Mark Andrews Uh, Ian Rappaport also mentioned the Bills having some tight end injuries Mm -hmm. and sneakily there the 49ers Ian saying that they've always liked Zach Ertz
1: yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, we talked about hurts a lot during the trade deadline period, and uh, you know, whether the Cardinals would be able to trade him at that time. And I think the biggest reason they weren't able to is that he has a contract of at least ten million dollars for next year, and just, you know that's a waiver thing. I mean, if somebody picks him up on waivers, they got to pick up that contract. Uh, so we'll see if that occurs. I don't know if that's an obstacle for teams or not. I uh, think you mentioned some teams, and certainly there's a desperation. And I don't know if there's a desperation in Philadelphia. They are 10-1, and 1, and they are going to get Goddard back. There was actually some hope earlier this week that he might play this week. That doesn't seem to be the case today, at least as – I should rephrase that. As of yesterday, not sure what's going on with the uh, Philadelphia practice situation today, but uh, that seemed to be a long shot yesterday that he played this week. But it sure seemed like they were encouraged that he play against the Cowboys next week. So I wonder if that lessens the urgency for the Eagles.
2: Does Zach Ertz, uh, you know, primarily being really good in the pass game and maybe not so great in the run block game, limit some of the contending options?
1: Um,. Yeah, I think so. Well, let me look at Baltimore for instance. I mean, I don't think Mark Andrews is known as the greatest blocker of all time. He's not bad, uh but uh you know, he's not uh you know just a you know, guy that catches passes and that's it. He's uh you he know, has some blocking skills, so I'm not I'm not sure. That that's a really good question. Uh, also, I think the yeah, words when he did play this year for the Cardinals uh wasn't that good. Uh he dropped uh, you know more than a couple of passes and you know, a couple of uh, you know, goal line situations where he didn't come through. And so I don't know if people care about that or, you know, people being other NFL teams. Uh, they'll look past that and just look at his career history. But, yeah, I'm looking, I'm guessing that Ertz, uh, when he does his career highlight tape or whoever does it for him or whoever's doing it on a television network, I don't know if there's any plays from this year that would be included.
2: I think that's an absolute fair point. I don't think 2023, maybe training camp.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here's a training camp video of the greatest plays of Zach Ertz's career. So yeah, that's a, an interesting point there. Even though you know, we weren't a training camp, other than like a one day thing, and I don't remember anything that he did that day. <laughs> so well, because yeah, uh, he was we'll still see.
2: working back from his ACL thing too. So correct. Maybe cheerleading.
1: We I don't think we were sure at that time whether he was going to be back for week one.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, So we'll get into more surrounding the Arizona Cardinals and any updates as a part of answering today's poll question, the KDOS1060.com poll question in preparation for their game in Pittsburgh. But on the other side, we'll dive into Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. It is college football and the Pac-12 gets things started tonight. Oregon and UW will dive into all of that happening next.
0: KDUS AM 1060 is the home to The Dan Patrick Show, The Doug Gottlieb Show, and SportsMap Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. 11-24
2: 11 24 here on this Friday, December 1st edition of the Extra Point. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. It's Friday Spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Visit our friends Von Hansen's over at 2390 North Alma School in Chandler or pay them a visit online at VonHanson'sMeats.net. All right, the college football world has entered championship season here and it get things started with the pac-12 championship oregon and UW. oregon minus nine and a half, UW plus nine and a half over under sitting at 65 and a half the game it's tonight 6 p.m on abc everything is absolutely on the line tonight for these two teams uh the question does the winner automatically get into the cfp here also just from a bit of Interesting and nostalgic Point of view if you will it will be the Last ever Pac-12 championship game Uh, At least as in the current form that we know it. UW won their first meeting 36-33 in overtime. Interesting little tidbit, the Huskies are 6-0 on the season in games decided by one score. Meanwhile, after an early struggle against Texas Tech and the three-point loss, Oregon has been winning in dominating fashion by an average of 47-7. When it comes to some numbers here, UW ranks 123rd in rushing success rate allowed with the tandem that Oregon has. Bucky Irving and Jordan James, they rushed 33 times for 190 yards in that first meeting. Then some interesting bits of information here about Michael Penix Jr. and just kind of how this season has gone for him. If you look at his first six games, he was completing his passes at 72%. 14.8 yards per completion, a 9.3% touchdown rate and 1.4% interception rate. If you take a look at his last six games, it's dropped considerably to 59% completion percentage, 12.8 yards per completion, 5.7% touchdown rate, 2.4% interception rate. I understand some weather changes factor into that, but also uh, how healthy is he?
1: There's a lot of people that believe that he was injured in the Oregon game. The first time they played, which was on October the 14th. And certainly his numbers have, you know, tapered off considerably along with their offense and really their team itself, pretty much every offense and defensive number for the most part, except for the run game. But I think the run game, their their, their success in the run game is a little mass because they played a couple of really bad rushing defenses, including USC so we'll see what's going on with that. This game actually went to ten yesterday at Circa in Las Vegas, and I just noticed, like in the last half hour or so, that this game's gone to ten in several locations across the country. Uh, so it's been you know, yeah, a team that's won 19 consecutive games in Washington. They're 12 and zero this season for the first time since 1991. Then they had that stud team back in the day. And you know, I don't remember a team that's won that many games in a row, and they're a 10-point underdog in any game. Uh, so we'll see what's up with that. You know, in addition to what you mentioned, uh, Bo Nix has now completed 78.5% of his passes. He's on pace to break, uh, break Colt McCoy, it uh, is all-time packed, uh, not just packed, uh, his all-time NCAA passing efficiency record. Uh, that's where he's at this year for this season. And uh, as we mentioned earlier in the week, he's only been sacked five times. Uh, so we'll see what's going on with that. Um, I never imagined that this game would be anywhere near what it is now, nine and a half or ten. Uh, you know, I was looking forward to betting on Oregon in the rematch for weeks. Uh, you know, I bet on, against Washington a couple of times here in, uh, since that first Oregon game. And, you know, basically I remember one game I won, one game I lost, so I kind of lost juice on that. I'm very disappointed that this number is too high. I cannot take – I'm not laying nine and a half or ten with Oregon. And I just don't know what I think of Washington at this point because I've been looking to play against them for like two months. Uh, So I'm just going to not get involved and watch the game, and hopefully it's a great game and I can learn something.
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I know a lot of people who are trying to figure out the best way to, like, middle their bet here. Uh, you know, if they're on UW to win the Pac-12, how do you get involved with Oregon here? Or how do you get yeah. involved with something? But certainly nine and a half, ten 10 uh, makes it a little challenging to find a middling number.
1: Even in-game, that's challenging. I don't even know what to do with that. Um, yeah. You know, if you know, depending on you know, if Oregon gets ahead if you want Washington you're gonna you know, I could there there's a case you know, I can make a case that Oregon blows them out and uh that you know, normally if you see like a team that's getting 10 to begin the game and they fall behind they're going to be getting more at least in end game and but I don't trust Washington's defense or really you know the offensive numbers as you mentioned are way down and uh the Penix thing is uh you know, the uh, you know, whether it's an arm or a leg, there seems to be some dispute. But uh, there's a lot of people, especially in the betting market, that believe that something has been physically wrong with him for more than a month.
2: And certainly to that point here, these two teams then are trending in completely different directions where UW They're finding ways to get these victories. Oregon going in the opposite direction. They put the pedal to the metal and they they blow teams out.
1: Yeah, and just looking ahead, you know, I have no allegiance to either of these teams as far as you know any bets or who I'm rooting for. I'm not a fan of either team. I like to watch them both play, but as looking ahead to the college football playoff, I would rather see Oregon in the college football playoff than Washington.
2: Uh, There is another game tonight in conference play. New Mexico State and Liberty. New Mexico State uh, now sitting at 10.5 plus 10.5. Liberty minus 10.5 over under sitting at 57.5 numbers from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Liberty won the first time 33-17 in week two. Uh, New Mexico State in that contest had three costly turnovers. New Mexico State is coming off of that upset win over Auburn and it wasn't a squeaker. They blew out Auburn in that game. Liberty ranks fifth in third down conversion rate and they have a really good rushing attack so I guess the question here is can New Mexico State avoid some mistakes and keep this one close at all
1: I'm the wrong person to ask I've not watched any second I have not watched one second of New Mexico State or Liberty play football this year
2: that'll be the uh, second conference game taking place on a Friday night transitioning over to Saturday though we have Oklahoma State and Texas plus uh, 14 and a half for Oklahoma State Texas minus 14 and a half over under sitting at 54 and a half it's a Saturday game 10 a.m on ABC Oklahoma State made it to this game after suffering losses to South Alabama and UCF by a combined score of 78 to 10 so who would have ever thought that uh, Oklahoma State, though, they needed a major comeback over BYU last week as well. Texas, when you just look at their defense here, they have a really good defensive front and they are great against the run. When it comes to Oklahoma State, can they run the ball with Ollie Gordon? He has some impressive numbers this year when they give him the ball. 245 carries, 1,580 yards. So which side gives in? Then the question for Texas here is how is Quinn Ewers since he's come back from his injury?
1: I think he's been okay. Uh, The guys around him have been hurt. Uh, yeah, running back, wide receiver, best offensive lineman, and it looks like the two of those three guys are going to play this week. And they played some last week, and there's not been a game I was more wrong about in football this year or maybe several years. And you know, I had Texas Tech in 14 plus points last week, and they lost 57 to 7. And it took me about 10 minutes watching that game and realizing it was going to be like 57-7, to and boy, was I stupid. Uh, So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, As far as Oklahoma State, you mentioned Ollie Gordon. He ended up leading the nation in rushing, which is really amazing because he had a grand total of 19 carries over the first three games, including used just occasionally when they played ASU here the second game of the season. And he still ended up leading the nation in rushing. Uh, Whether you can run the ball against the Texas defense is probably his biggest challenge of the year, however.
2: Uh, Yeah, and then when you toss it on over to the Texas side of the running back situation, now with Brooks out for the season with his ACL here, it kind of seems like it's C.J. Baxter. He has 582 yards in the year, as well as Jaden Blue at 306 yards.
1: Well, Blue is the guy that killed Texas Tech last week. I mean, he, that guy is fast. <laughs> I knew of him. I didn't really know. You know, I didn't seen much of him uh, before that game last, whatever day that was last weekend and the holiday weekend. Actually, if anything here, I think that this game has a chance to go over the total, and one of the reasons I would favor that is because, you know, I think Texas needs some style points here. They're not going to know what's going on elsewhere. That's, you know, not the Saturday night game. Some of those teams are going to have a pretty good idea of where they stand as far as the college football playoff, depending on what happens in other games. Uh, But Oklahoma State and Texas, Texas will not be in that situation.
2: Yeah, so you're talking about some style points for Texas here. Is there also maybe some extra motivation flipping this to the OK State side with uh, Texas leaving the conference?
1: I think that's kind of beyond right now, though. I think that was more of a thing in the regular season, certainly when they played OU. Uh, But this is a conference championship game at this point.
2: Uh, Then we move into the Mountain West here, and we'll just briefly touch on this. Boise State minus 2.5, UNLV plus 2.5, over-under sitting at 59.5. Boise State is looking for its fifth Mountain West title in the last 12 years, but all of this is happening despite firing head coach Andy Avalos a few weeks ago. UNLV, though, hasn't won a conference title since – 1994 uh, this is Barry Odom's first year with the running Rebels 9 and 3 uh, they averaged 35.5 points per game he's done an incredible job with UNLV this season but it's also weird how these two teams were decided because San Jose State could have also been in this particular game but it ended up being a computer and uh, like a BCS style printout yeah. that yeah. chose the tiebreaker and it spit out UNLV and Boise State.
1: The old BCS computer strikes. Uh, yeah, Barry Odom. There's talk about him going to Houston, but then again, I think the Houston uh, talk involves every coach that has coached a college football game, or maybe even NFL. For all I know, for the last hundred years. So it's like the longest list of candidates or rumored candidates I've ever. I don't know if I've ever seen one longer than this. Uh, but Odom's in that list, so we'll see what's up with that. Boise State is 3-0 since they fired the inept and incompetent Andy Avalos, who was a nice coordinator in his Oregon days, but in and over his head at Boise State like two seconds after he got there. And Dirk Cutter wasn't around to bail him out this year, which is what Dirk Cutter did last year when Andy Avalos and that team started horribly last year.
2: Uh, yeah, Dirk... Uh... His kid was on the team last year, so that's why he kind of came in and became offensive right. coordinator. He was hanging around the team as maybe like an assistant, and then joined right. up as offensive coordinator. And then his his son moved on, uh, so he did not participate this year.
1: I believe Dirk is officially retired, which is kind of interesting because I was my first year here was Dirk's second year here, so uh, um, he was an interesting dude. <laughs> Good. Tremendous offensive coordinator, though, and a master of the screen pass.
2: There is more college championship games to discuss. We'll do it on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Friday spread by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. More college football action coming up on the other side.
0: Interact with Bob Kim's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kent's bottom line at KDUS1060.com.
2: Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060, online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app. Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. They're located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Their weekend specials for you certified Angus Choice Beef New York Strip Steak at $4 a pound off, Prime Pork Back Ribs at $6.99 a pound, and Fresh Natural Whole Fryers at 199 a pound. Von Hansen's meats.net. We'll have the $100 gift certificate available to you a little later on in today's show. Continuing, though, with the spread talk in regards to college football and let's dive into the sec uh georgia is minus five and a half alabama plus five and a half over under sitting at 55 and a half this game saturday 2 p.m on tbs if alabama wins the committee has some wild sessions ahead of them that's for sure uh (laughs) the last time though that georgia lost a football game two years ago in this game when bama went on to win 41 to 24 some of the numbers here alabama is 45th in rushing success rate but they happen to be very very good at rushing the ball in short yardage situations meanwhile Georgia's defense ranks 81st in rushing success rate allowed. Meanwhile, for Georgia, their secondary, they rank fifth in passing success rate allowed and ninth in yards allowed per dropback. Jalen Milroe, though, he is not afraid to take some shots down the field. Uh, since he became the full time starter, Alabama has 24% of its passes going at least 20 yards downfield. Uh, that ranks seventh nationally. Bama's offense certainly has to take advantage of the explosives, whereas Georgia's offense, they rarely go three and out. They are about moving the chains. Carson Beck is playing at a very consistent and efficient level.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't pay any attention, quite frankly, to the Alabama season numbers because, you know, the last five games, they've been so much better than they were previously. Uh, so you can just, you know, the season numbers, if you got some kind of breakdown from like, say, Oh, November 1st on roughly uh, their offense was so much better than it was previously. And not just Mill Road, their offensive line got better. They ran the ball better. Pretty much everything was better. Uh, so there's that. This has been a wild game. Rarely in a, this is a high profile game. Obviously this is a high volume betting game. And the point spread in this game during the week has gone from like four and a half to six and back, bounce back and forth, and uh, you know the total is similar to that. There's some fifty fours out there right now. Uh, there's also, as you mentioned, 55 and a half out there. So you know, if you you can pretty much uh, if you've been looking during the week to shop around and get the best number for whatever side you want in this game, it's been pretty easy which is very unusual for a game of this volume and, and high profile, et cetera. Um, I actually like this game over. Um, I, don't, I think that both offenses can do uh, some damage here. Uh, and the one thing that bothered me the most about Alabama, it was uh, in that Auburn game, is the fact that Auburn, not the greatest offensive team of all time. In fact, not a good offensive team at all uh, in some games this year. Ran the ball in that game, and I know it was, uh, I can't buy it was a letdown spot for Alabama because it's, a, it's the Alabama and Auburn game, and I've been at that game, and that's all they have in that state. They don't have professional sports, so that's a big game for everybody. Uh, so the fact that Auburn ran the ball, and I think that Georgia can run the ball, and I think Alabama can pass the ball. Uh, in spite of those uh, numbers that you uh, cited as far as the Georgia pass defense. But I think those numbers are a little bogus because I'm not sure how many really good passing offenses Georgia's faced.
2: Uh, Yeah, that's another question that I had written down here is that will Georgia be able to exploit Bama's run defense? We saw what Auburn was able to do just one week ago, and Milton is certainly a great back for Georgia.
1: He is. An ex- he's actually like their second guy uh, when they're all healthy, and they've only had one game this season in which they've had their preferred starting guys out there, uh, as far as either linemen or uh, wide receivers, or obviously Brock Bowers and McConkie. For the, as far as the receivers go, and running backs have been kind of in and out because of injuries. The offensive line, the right guard and right tackle have been in and out. It's believed that those guys are going to play. All of them be available this week.
2: Louisville and Florida State in the ACC championship game currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook app uh, Louisville plus one and a half Florida State minus one and a half over under sitting at 46 and a half uh, so there's the question marks to uh, you know have the narrative discussion ahead of time is the committee really going to leave out an undefeated FSU team if they go on to win uh, quarterback Tate Rodemaker, he was 12 of 25 134 yards last week in his first start after Jordan Travis uh, had his season-ending injury and his FSU career-ending injury. FSU will need to keep feeding their running back Trey Benson, who has 138 carries, 838 yards on the year. Meanwhile, for Louisville, uh, they've been riding running back Jahar Jordan, 167 carries, 1,076 yards. And then if you look at Jack Plummer, uh, he does have uh, 2,952 yards, 66.2% completion percentage, 21 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. The offense for Louisville ranks 10th in success rate.
1: Um, I know that it seems like America is on Louisville in this game. I don't know how, uh, how much of that is they're rooting for Louisville or whether they actually just don't really think that Florida State's that good anymore. I don't, you know, certainly there's a drop-off at quarterback. But, you know, as long as they give Benson the ball, and they didn't really give him the ball enough last week against Florida until they needed to win the game, and then he won the game with three touchdown runs, as it turns out. And I've been saying all year when Travis was playing that I thought that Florida State has the best combination of quarterback, running back, and two wide receivers of any team in college football. Now, obviously, that's changed the quarterback a little bit, but they've also got playmakers on defense And I'm going against the grain here. I like Florida State in this game, and I think that Florida State, uh, I don't know if they necessarily roll in this game because I'm not sure how many points they're going to score, not as many as if they had, you know, Travis was the quarterback. Then again, if Travis is the quarterback, I'm guessing this would be close to a touchdown spread instead of one, one and a half, or some twos out there I just saw a few minutes ago. Uh, But I think Florida State takes care of business here. They've – uh went eighteen in a row straight up and this game's basically a pick'em.
2: Yeah, to your point about everyone being on Louisville's side, didn't this open up like four and a half, five and a half, and it's been bet all the way down now to currently one and a half. This morning it was two and a half, but now we're sitting here and uh at a at a one and a half spread. Yeah,
1: and it's not like Louisville's rolling into this game. They lost their you know their in-state rival game again uh last week to Kentucky, and that game was at Louisville. And uh, you mentioned Jordan. He's got some good numbers, but he's been nicked up. And Thrash, their best wide receiver, has been nicked up. They both played last week. Looked like they were okay. And Jordan, I thought, there were a couple of plays that uh, we, uh, maybe a month ago he would have uh, broken for a much longer run. So I wonder about his health. Thrash actually looked really good. Uh, I just also don't trust Plumber at quarterback. Uh, he's you know, been around. This is his third college program. And Louisville's defense, which was really good earlier in the year, they've allowed 400-plus yards three straight games now
2: that's a saturday 6 p.m kick on abc and the big 10 title game uh michigan and iowa this is just kind of interesting because to look at the total versus the point spread michigan minus 21 and a half iowa plus 21 and a half the over under sitting at 34 and a half it too is saturday 6 p.m on fox michigan gets their head coach jim harbaugh back on the sidelines for this one Whew, iowa's offense they rank 128th in points per drive 132nd in success rate and i th- have heard people legitimately ask the question do they cross midfield in this contest
1: okay well they they'll probably cross midfield if they make a defensive play or their special teams i don't think get enough credit they're tremendous in special teams yeah, you know, obviously it's easy to talk about the bad defense, uh, the bad offensive numbers. Excuse me for Iowa, but their defense—they're second in the country in yards per play allowed. Now, granted, the Big Ten and especially the teams they played, the Big Ten, uh, did not exactly have the best offenses in the world. They also did play Penn State and got killed in that game when uh, at Happy Valley. Happy Valley. In fact, they didn't score any game any, any points in that game at all. Uh, so you can just go through all the bad offensive numbers and you can get to that however you want to get to it and whatever, however you want to try to decipher that. Uh, you know, Michigan's going to win the game, but you know I have no interest in laying those kind of numbers against a team that uh, is really good on defense. And uh, I think the one big advantage that Iowa does have in this game based on the regular season is Michigan's special teams aren't bad. But Iowa's special teams, I don't think, get enough credit because everybody bashes their offense with a justification and talks about their defense with justification. But I've always said offense, uh, excuse me, defense and special teams, it's kind of like pitching and defense and baseballing. Like those things go together. And there's they're, they're not a team in the country that it's not a fluke. I mean, they've got really good players on defense, and their punter is like their most valuable player for the season. And, uh, you know, if I'm Michigan, I'm holding my breath when the special teams are out there that nothing goes bad.
2: Friday spread by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits continues on the other side of the break. We'll transition to the world of the NFL. We'll do that next, right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today. More Friday spread discussion, NFL next.
0: Check out KDUSAM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number 2.
2: of this friday december 1st edition of extra point right here on kdos am 1060 diving into the world of the nfl friday spread by von hansen's meats and spirits and let's get things started with the broncos and the texans contest broncos plus three and a half texans minus three and a half over under sitting now at 47 and a half numbers from the FanDuel sportsbook app the broncos they have forced i don't know if i like the term force but they've created they've recovered maybe recovered is better they've recovered 15 turnovers in their last four games on defense Uh, they certainly have found a hot streak here with winning games but now can they continue doing that on the road as for C.J. Stroud he has four straight games of more than 300 yards passing Uh, will D'Amico Ryans though find something on defense to force the ball into Russell Wilson's hands
1: Well, that'd be good for the Broncos because Russell Wilson's on pace for 31 touchdowns and eight interceptions for the season now, and he's the best red zone passer in the NFL. He's gone five straight games without interception. Uh, I mentioned a couple of things. Uh, I think it's safe to say that they forced these turnovers uh, because some of them have been some hellacious hits and a couple of fumble recoveries. Now, remember, one was a pass interference that was a... Yeah, you know, is hit by Sertan and it became an interception to the safety, uh, the backup safety who was playing at that point. And now they're get they're healthy at safety. Uh, but uh so they they've they've done a really good job forcing the turnovers, I think. You mentioned on the road, this is the first of three straight road games uh for Denver. And we've entered the month of the, uh December and we, we go through all the schedules and so forth when the season starts during our season previews i'm always leery about teams that have to play three straight road games in december because you know some teams are worn down injured etc uh they play at houston then they play the chargers i don't know how much of a challenge that is these days but then they also the third of the three straight road games is at detroit
2: Well, let's talk about Detroit. The Lions minus four and a half Saints plus four and a half over under sitting at 46 and a half. The Saints likely will not have Michael Thomas or Rashid Shaheed. Also, Chris Olave, at least last look, was still in the concussion protocol. Not entirely sure how that's evolved today. Uh, So now who is Carr going to get the ball to if those three players are unavailable here? The The Saints rank 30th in points per drive on red zone possessions and have a total of nine red zone drives that ended in no points at all uh, meanwhile here question marks about jared goff can he bounce back from six turnovers in the last two weeks and is the lions defense going to be able to get some pressure
1: they haven't for several weeks now i mean i think that's been uh, you know, kind of uh, the the pass rush i have a note here missing in action for many recent games i think that's been a big issue with detroit And uh, obviously the golf thing is easy to point out. And the fact that they were able to win that game a couple of weeks ago, I do like them in this spot here. Remember they've got also the extra rest because they played on Thanksgiving and the saints are just out of players. I mean, Michael Thomas is actually an injured reserve now and may be out for the season. According to at least one report yesterday, Lattimore also an injured reserve now for at least the next four games. He's going to be out. Uh, You mentioned the Olave thing. They've got offensive line and defensive line injuries. Uh, they're a mess. Um, they're not good at this point of the season, and I think Detroit wins in this game. Wins this game, and I'm just going to hope that they have enough of a pass rush that they can get something accomplished. But you know, including Hutchinson, who's been kind of missing in action some of these games too. By the way, as far as the pass rush goes.
2: Colts minus one and a half, Titans plus one and a half. Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app over under sitting at 42 and a half. The Colts have won three in a row. The Colts have also only given up 22.2% of red zone drives as a touchdown since week nine. The Titans, meanwhile, have this weird, bizarre home versus road split going where they're 4 0 at home and 0 7 on the road this year. Question Who protects the football better, Gardner Minshew or Will Levis?
1: Uh, Gardner Minshew does. Plus, you know, obviously Taylor's out, but Zach Moss—you can make a really easy case. In fact, uh, I like think anybody can make a case that Zach Moss has been better than Jonathan Taylor when they've, uh, you know, when they played this year. Uh, not together much because Moss was—he was tremendous early in the year, and then Taylor came back, and Taylor did have a couple of decent last two games, but now he's out two to three weeks i think the colts are actually a better team with moss on the field this year than they are with taylor
2: more from around the nfl as friday spread in this extra point on friday december 1st continues to kickstart hour number two we'll also make room around twelve fifteen for brian bluis of pro football network to talk nfl props that's all coming up in just a few minutes